0: Oh God the Father Creator
1: Keep. And the Lord God commanded the man, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loin cloths for themselves. The word. Of God.
2: Trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The word of the
3: Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you, if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan! For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord
4: Christ. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our Rock.
2: The last time we came together in the community was Wednesday,
4: Ash Wednesday, the beginning of our season of Lent. Many of us may have set an intention for our Lenten practice and be about four or five days in now. How's it going so far? How many of you woke up this morning craving a piece of chocolate or pastry? There's a hand here. <laughs> Yesterday in my family, we spent the day. Listening to my husband negotiate with himself about the meaning of the word dessert, exactly which he definition he was going to comply with, There is even a moment where, um, where we were asked whether donuts weren't
2: really dessert
4: because you eat them in the morning, not after dinner at night. A couple of years ago, I myself set the decision for Lent, which was that I was going to fast from meat and fish for the season. And normally I am a meat eater, so I anticipated that in not eating meat each time I was faced with that choice, I would be prompted to remember the (laughs) season. Instead, I found myself hungry all the time, and I gained five pounds. Uh, I guess that's what happens in my case when I replace protein with pasta. You know, often we can come into the season of Lent with an expectation that we're supposed to deprive ourselves to challenge ourselves to suffer hardship. For me, this year, I'm, I'm feeling something different. There's a theologian in the Orthodox tradition in the Eastern Church, um, Alexander Schmemann, who describes Lent as a season of bright sadness. And I think I'm with him this year. Instead of entering into Lent with a sense of deprivation, I have felt this brightness. A certain lightness of spirit, a sense of moving toward freedom. And I know that's not our norm. There is a somberness to lent, a posture of humility, as we prepare to walk with Jesus to the cross, as we try to remove the distractions from our lives and focus on repentance, turning from the things that are inconsistent with our desire to deepen our relationship with God. Our tradition has been shaped by a wisdom over the centuries to point us towards Jesus' mission of honoring the dignity of every human, of building the reign of God and fighting for justice for all, particularly the marginalized and the forgotten. A mission that led inexorably to his death. In this season in particular, we remember that there is no salvation without going by the way of the cross. Behind this focus on the cross, though, the companion story of our faith is pressing itself into my attention this lent. Surrounding the cross is this story. God is. God is always. God calls us back over and over and over no matter how far we multiply. Whenever the distractions of this life get in the way, prevent us from seeing God, from knowing God is always, God calls us back. If there was one message our Israelite forebears in the faith wanted to convey to us about their experience of God, it was this. They repeated this story over and over again. God is and is ever calling us back. At the end of Lent, yes, we walk with Jesus through His death and resurrection. And on the way, at the great vigil of Easter, the last thing we hear before we celebrate Jesus' resurrection, we linger in the story of God calling us back. In our vigil readings, we hear the creation of humans in Genesis, each of us endowed with dignity, made in God's image. We hear the promise to Noah that God will care for God's people always, of the covenant with Abraham to bring about descendants beyond number, of the deliverance of the Israelites at the Red Sea, of God's guiding the chosen people into their promised land. Individual readings, we are reminded of the promise of renewal made through the prophet Ezekiel. Through Ezekiel, God said, A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. This is the story. That was passed down to us. God is always, and God always calls us back. So, how do we relate this to our Lenten intentions? As I sat with today's song, an image, perhaps instructive, popped into my mind. In verse nine, as we sang this morning, God's voice responds to the narrator, saying. I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Don't be like a horse or a mule, which have no understanding, and you must be fitted with a bit and a bridle to understand the path that is best for them. So this passage, for me, brought to mind my dog, Juno. For nine years, Juno has been my constant companion, and if I do say so myself, she is an excellent dog. When we go for walks in the woods, she runs circles around me, covering at least four times as much distance as I do, even though we walk on the same path. But even in her movement, Juno has a built-in sense of connection with me. She never goes more than 20 or 30 feet ahead on the path without stopping, turning, and seeing that I signal for her that it's okay to go ahead. She is in sync with me, attuned to my presence. Unless, of course, we come across a bunny or a squirrel, and then all bets are off. But unlike the horse and the mule our psalmist seems about, which have no understanding, and must be fitted with bit and bridle. Juno is alert to my presence and can be guided by my eye. In this way to me, Juno illustrates the promise of Lent, this year, Lent feels less like deprivation or a constraint against which I chafe, and more like an invitation. An invitation to move toward freedom in God, an invitation to remove my own version of squirrels and bunnies, the things that distract me from seeing God, an invitation to be drawn into love. A mentor of mine also reminds me of the words of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who is fond of saying, There is nothing we can do to make God love us anymore, and there is nothing we can do to make God love us any less. All we can do this season is and ask for the grace to remove our own distractions and move toward the freedom that God offers each of us, and the rest. The rest will follow. Whatever your Lenten intention or practice, in these 40 days as with Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness, may the angels come and attend to us. May we become more and more aware that God is always, inviting us deeper into the heart of God. Amen.
3: Let us affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God. And basically to uphold a spirit of prayer in this place um, every week on Thursdays and then again here on Sundays. So the invitation on Sunday is to come and pray either for me to have for yourself or for the world or for someone you know. Um, we pray together with a prayer partner, someone will be there to pray with you because we have been promised, as we know that whenever two or three are gathered in Jesus' name, Name is there in the midst of them. So come and pray with these wonderful prayer partners who are praying for you each and every week. And this is the chance to do it together with them. Let's see. Lots of announcements. Read them. That
0: would be helpful. Um,
3: also, we did get, uh, Bill talked about the even song that's happening tonight, the Gorill even song at 5 o'clock. We did manage to get. Into the Concord Journal, which is a miracle, because it's very hard to make that happen. And Chris Moselski's picture is up on the front page in the corner. It doesn't say anything about Trinity or anything about Eden Song, but Chris's picture is
0: there. So, um.
3: so tiny steps, but anyway, please do come. It's a wonderful, uh, wonderful service in our tradition and uh, beautiful music to uh, to be prayerful in. It's, it's an opportunity to sit and um, and, and take in that that wonderful love and grace that Annie referred to in her sermon. And finally, I wanted to say something today so that you all know that um, myself and your lay leadership and the staff have been researching over the last couple of weeks what our appropriate response to the flu season and now with the uh, the coronavirus
0: ought to be. Um, There are responses from our diocese, from other dioceses I've been reading, and other congregations, trying to decide how we can best live in community,
3: be together in love, and also do what we can to care for one another around these issues of germs. So I'm going to, I haven't written it yet, I'm gonna write something this week, it'll come out um, in an e-blast to you with all of the links to all of the things that you can look at at the CDC, um, various links about taking, uh, taking, drinking from the cup, all of those kinds of things. I'm not going to tell you all the glory details, but that will come out in writing. But for purposes of today, this is the Cliff Notes version. When we offer the peace to one another, you do not have to shake hands. You can simply look at someone and wish them the peace of God. You can touch their arm. You can do a fist bump, whatever you want to do, you're not required to reach out your hand. Um, So again, if we're concerned about germs and we don't want to handshake, there's an opportunity to hold that back. When you come up for communion, we will no longer allow people to intinge, which is to put the wafer into the cup. It turns out that that is the dirtiest, most germy thing that you can do, um, because you've been holding it in your hand, and then you're putting all of those germs right into the cup. So all of the guidance from the Catholic Church, the Episcopal Church, and pretty much every church says don't do that. So we're not going to do that. So your options are to drink from the cup, which is safer and cleaner because our very skilled lambs take the purificator and they wipe both the inside and the outside of the rim of the silver chalice and then they turn it. So that is the cleanest and safest way if you want to drink the wine. You can also refrain from drinking the wine simply by crossing your arms over your chest. And because we know, because we know without a doubt, that Jesus is indivisible, cannot be divided, that if you eat the bread, you're receiving the full sacrament. So it isn't like a halfway thing if you don't drink the wine. So it's completely up to you, drink the wine, don't drink the wine, receive the bread. Um, When we greet you at the back of the church, and I know you're going to be eager to greet Tammy after her lovely sermon with us today, she and I are going to refrain from shaking hands Um, just as a way to encourage all of us to do that. You'll notice we'll all be liberally using the Holy Purell up here, and it was a little tricky at eight because I thought I had the timing down exactly right, and then Ernie said to me, but they're going to hand you the offertory plate. I was like, ah! So, all those germs on the operatory plate. Anyway, there was a lot of pure this at 8 o'clock. So we will get the hang of this, but the goal is not to be fussy or difficult or cause anybody any angst. It's really just to figure out how we can continue to be together in the safest and cleanest way in this time when uh, it's flu season and this virus that we don't really understand is out there. So if you have questions or you have concerns, please come directly to me. This this was my decision, and so if you've got an issue, please come directly to me to talk to me about it. All right. So at this table, God's table, God's table has been here forever. There are no strangers, no outcasts, and no unwanted guests. All are welcome to come and feast at the table of our Lord Jesus Christ, so please do come and be fed. Let us walk in love as Christ loves you, Big himself every day with offering a side of life. in every way as we are, yet did not sin. By his grace we are able to triumph over every evil and to live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. to your will, a perfect sacrifice for the whole world. On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when he had given thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper he took a cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ is God, serve you in unity, constancy, and peace, and at the last day bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Now, thy Christ, Savior Christmas on us we are holding bread. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy being come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let us.